Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. I don't know how many of you have seen, but we have merch now. There are t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, and a mug. They're available at teespring.com. I'll leave a link in the show notes to the store. If you buy merch, send me a picture and I'll put you on our Instagram. I believe that if you order like today, you can still get them in time for Christmas. Don't quote me on that. But last time I checked, you were still able to get them on Christmas and I'm recording this intro on Wednesday before this comes out. So you should still be able to get them by Christmas. But like I said, don't sue me if you can't. (laughs) This week's theme is short and sweet. For those days, you just don't have time for an hour long story and you need to get a scare from here to the grocery store. Here are several very short, but very scary stories. In the first half, these stories all came from one of my favorite subreddits, Short Scary Stories. If you haven't subscribed, I suggest you do. There's so much hidden gold, and I'm so excited to share some of my favorites with you. The format will be a little different this week. It's kind of rapid fire. Don't worry, this isn't something that will be permanent. I just thought it fit a little better with these fun size stories. First up this week is... Last Time Babysitting by user Discord and Dine. I checked my watch as I walked up to the door. Ten minutes late. I had been babysitting for them for six months. I was sure they wouldn't mind. Mr. Lopez answered the door. Hey, I'm sorry I'm late. I, I started to say but stopped when I saw him. His face was soaked with sweat and he looked slightly agitated. No problem, no problem at all, he said, ushering me inside. In the kitchen, there was only a single light on above the table. At it, Mrs. Lopez was writing something feverishly on a slip of paper I'll... I'll be right back. I have to say goodbye to Denise. Denise was their one-year-old daughter, who I had been watching for them. She disappeared into the darkness of the hallway, heading up the stairs. What movie are you seeing tonight? I asked, setting my bag down on the table. The pad of paper had holes punctured through it, as if Mrs. Lopez had been pressing the pen down hard. Uh, I don't know. I guess we'll decide when we get there. Mr. Lopez was shifting from foot to foot, looking more worried by the minute. I noticed a pretty sizable cut on his right cheek, dribbled with dried blood. Are you okay, Mr. Lopez? I asked. But before he could answer, I heard Mrs. Lopez returning from upstairs. We... We should get going. Goodbye, Katie, she said, pulling me into a hug. She tightened her grip for a moment, and I could have sworn I heard a soft sob. Thank you for everything, she said with great difficulty. She began to say something else, but her husband grabbed her and dragged her out the door. 
Before he closed it, he gave me a mournful, almost apologetic look. Then he closed it, and I was alone in the dark house. I thought about going out and talking to them more, or maybe even just leaving, but in the end I decided to stay. Not turning on the lights so as not to startle up Denise, I climbed the stairs in the dark and headed into her room. I approached the crib and was about to lift her up when I saw a note lying on top of the blankets. I read it by the streetlight that glared feebly through the window. Katie, I am so sorry. He broke in while we were getting ready. He said he was going to kill us, do horrible things to Denise. He asked if anyone knew about us, and we told him about you. It's an exchange. I'm so sorry. I hope that God will forgive me one day. Looking out the window, I saw them pulling out of the driveway. They were crying. Perched on Mrs. Lopez's lap was Denise. Behind me, in the darkness, the door creaked open. A Memo to Disney Cast Members by user The Rabid Fangirl. A Disney Cast Member's top priority is the comfort and safety of our guests. For this reason, all Disney World employees must follow these rules. Failure to do so will result in disciplinary action. Ask to examine the photos our guests have taken. Be friendly. Check for abnormalities. If any are found, call for security. Guests may be distracted with free merchandise. Every seventh photograph taken on the dinosaur attraction must be deleted. If questioned, explain that it was a technical error and offer fast passes. The rumors of sharks and crocodiles in the lagoon are false. However, there is no swimming outside of the designated swimming pools on Disney property. Dead alligators are common around the lagoon. Simply evacuate the area, call security, then take note of how much has been eaten. There's only one Mickey out at once. If you find a second Mickey having an autograph session, check for the eye holes. All Disney costumes have eye holes. If you don't find the eye holes, allow the session to continue, but disallow photos. Call security immediately after the session concludes. If you spot a second Mickey off to the side, lure him into the tunnels. That's what the ducks are there for. Leave immediately afterwards, and do not look back. The Disney World Security Unit does not wear specially marked clothing. If you see someone wearing a shirt that says Disney Security, Shut down that section of the park immediately. Following these rules will help ensure a safe and pleasurable trip to the happiest place on Earth. So stay knowledgeable and stay safe. Annoying Neighbor by Gabriel Valdez Oro
You can also find him on Instagram at Gabriel Oro. I used to live in a small building downtown. One of the reasons I moved out was the bad neighborhood, including the sky in the apartment right over mine. It was a weird-looking fellow who mostly kept to himself. Around midnight, though, there was frequently a strange noise that got on my nerves. It wasn't loud, to be fair, but I have really light sleep, so it was hard to get my eyes shut with those little bumping sounds going on and on. It reminded me of high heels walking about, but not as loud, as if the person causing the noise was actually trying to be silent. After a few days, I realized the pattern was always the same, like a recording played over and over with random intervals in between. And that went on for the best part of a year, always the same sequence of bumps, slowly tattooed into my mind, sometimes for hours straight during the night. It was only several years later, helping my daughter with her homework, that I learned a little bit of Morse code. She knocked on the table with her knuckles, and a shiver immediately went through my spine as I recognized that exact pattern. When I asked her what it meant, she laughed. (laughs) It's the easiest one, Daddy, she said. It's the one to call for help. But I didn't, by user Pepity. I didn't kill Emily. Don't get me wrong, I wanted to, but I didn't. The moment I saw my wife of 11 years having sex with some asshole in our bed, something snapped. The dresser was next to me in the bed on the opposite side of the room. I knew I could pull out my gun from the top drawer and nail them both onto the bed before either of them could open their filthy mouths to blurt out a pathetic excuse as to why I should spare the little shits who ruined my perfectly happy marriage. But I didn't. I'm not that kind of man. Instead, I let the son of a bitch go. And I haven't spoken to my wife since. A few days later, I opened the door to a police officer who asked me questions about Emily. Apparently, she was reported missing by her mother, who repeatedly tried and failed to reach her phone. I hadn't seen her for three days at the time, and honestly, I didn't care cheating whore probably deserved whatever happened to her. I spent the next few weeks with interrogations and court trials. They seemed to have no doubt as to who the culprit was. Can't blame them after all. It'd be awfully convenient for the murderer to be the victim's ex-husband. People in law enforcement probably see the same case every other week. Luckily, there wasn't enough evidence to convict me. The whole process was soul-crushing. 
months spent trying to convince people that I didn't murder the love of my life, while staring at the obvious disbelief in their eyes. <sighs> I wish I had killed her. It would have been so much simpler for everyone. But I didn't. No matter how angry it was, I could never do that to her. Today, as I write this, it's been exactly a year since I caught her red-handed. I miss Emily so much, but everyone seems to have forgotten about her. I would too, if not for the fact that I still feel her presence. She's still with me. I can see her. Some nights, I can hear her crying as if apologizing to me for the things she's done. At least, that's how I like to see it. Sometimes she screams, making me jump out of my bed in panic. Usually, a broken finger or a rib is enough to shut her up. Sometimes she feels like resisting, and I have to bring out the knife. Oh, the horror in her eyes. She's always been frail, so I don't have to flay her a lot before she passes out. Then I change the duct tape she chewed through with a fresh one and go right back to my cozy bed. You see, I told you I didn't kill Emily. I could have shot her the moment I walked in that room. But I didn't. And I make sure that every day she wishes I had. This, This is Worse by Michael Lewandowski I sat in my cell, a condemned man. I could hear the guards approaching. They were coming to take me to my death. I didn't know how I would die, but I knew it wouldn't be quick. I knew it wouldn't be painless. Above all, I knew it would be cruel and unusual. Anyone who defied the king had their death live-streamed to the world. It was certainly an effective deterrent. The guards took me and quickly brought me down the hall, saying nothing, after passing maybe a dozen doors, many of which I could hear screaming behind. The guards opened a nondescript door and shoved me in. When the door was closed, I saw that there was no handle on the inside. In fact, there was nothing. The walls were absolutely white, as was the ceiling and the floor. In the absolute silence of the room, I thought I got lucky. Perhaps the sensory deprivation room was meant to drive me to insanity. It might make for good TV for the viewers, and I hoped that by the time I died, 
I would be too far gone to even realize what was happening. I wasn't so lucky. After an hour, or was it two, maybe three, it began. The walls and ceiling began to move. Or maybe they were moving the whole time, but it was so slow I didn't notice. The pure whiteness was so disorienting. Once I realized it, however, it was quite obvious. The room that was once spacious was now starting to feel a little cramped. And then I realized that my punishment wasn't the sensory deprivation. I was going to be crushed. This, this is worse. After a time, several hours, maybe more, the walls were so close that I could touch them both by reaching out and I could no longer stand up straight and the room continued to shrink. As soon as the walls were close enough that I could brace myself on one and push the other, I tried with all my might to stop them. As I knew would be the case, they continued to move. Slowly. The sheer terror of being trapped in a shrinking room is indescribable. I was beginning to panic as I thought about the pain that would come as the walls and ceiling slowly crushed me. It would be hours of excruciating pain before something finally snapped and killed me. I was now crouched down, with my knees pushed to my chest. I couldn't move. The walls kept pushing in. My head was pushed down onto my knees, my knees held together by the walls on either side while being pushed into my chest. It was so hard to breathe. Just as the pain was beginning to become intolerable, it stopped. The walls and ceiling stopped moving. That was days ago, and I knew I would be stuck here, unmoving, barely breathing, until I die of thirst. This, this is worse. Welcome to St. Bride's Academy by user J. Griffin. Welcome to St. Bride's Academy, and congratulations on your new teaching position. We're thrilled to have you. Please take time to review the enclosed employment contract, school syllabus, and campus map that have been attached, though we do request that you read the below information thoroughly. Salaries are deposited into your bank account on the 25th day of each month. If this falls on a weekend or bank holiday, we will ensure that your salary is deposited on the last working day before this date. As with all schools, St. Bride's Academy has a zero tolerance policy for bullying. 
please report any instances, no matter how small. Over 90% of our students reside in student dormitories for the school terms. As such, staff are required to do a nightly sweep of the halls at 11 p.m., and a rota for this has been enclosed in your welcome pack. The students are under the belief that the east wing of Corrigan Hall is closed for renovations. If asked, please stick to this. Do not attempt to enter the east wing. Our student library is open until 8 p.m. each school day. If a student ever complains of a book's text appearing upside down, ask to inspect it. Casually remark that it must be a printing error and immediately take the book to Reverend Foster, who will ensure its destruction. The nursery rhyme, Mary Had a Little Lamb, is never to be sung in any classrooms in Astoria Hall. If you notice a student singing this song, quiet them immediately. You may use your discretion as to how you do this. We have no student named Freddie Calthorpe. If you encounter a middle-aged woman who asks to see her son by this name, do exactly as follows. Avert your eyes to the ground instantly. Walk slowly to the nearest classroom and lock the door. When the knocking stops, it will be safe for you to exit. All sprinkler systems are blessed with holy water. If they ever activate and a child begins to writhe on the ground, abandon it. Do not attempt to assist it. Students may complain of dark red water coming out of the showers on the second floor of the gymnasium. Blame it on rusty pipes. Dismiss any rumors of the White Witch. If a child claims to have seen her, send them to the headmaster's office immediately. Room 18 in the Year 10 Boys Dormitory is triple locked and never to be opened. If you see the store open, evacuate the entire dormitory, citing a fire drill. If a child is unaccounted for, do not enter to find them. It will look like an accident. If you hear tapping on your bedroom window between the hours of 3.28 a.m. and 5.13 a.m., do not open your curtains to investigate. It's better to ignore it. We hope you find this information helpful. Please direct any queries to the headmaster. Let us again express how grateful we are to have you on board. The Sound of Silence by user Dover Hawk. After a lifetime of being deaf, my best friend just received cochlear implants. When he woke up from the surgery, we all stood around him. His wife was the first one to say anything. He heard her voice and at once began to cry. We all took turns speaking, letting him hear our voices and our names, and with each word we said, he became more emotional. When we were all finished, silence hung in the room. He looked up at me and asked what that sound was. It took me a moment to understand what he was hearing, and when I understood, I told him he was hearing silence. He shook his head. This isn't silence, 
he said slowly, hearing his own voice for the first time. I've been hearing silence all my life, and this is different. A sound came from just outside the hospital room, and he perked up immediately. Isn't that silence? We all exchanged looks of trepidation around the room before I spoke. No, I said slowly. That was the sound of someone screaming. What are the odds by user Mogulis Mo Problems? 71% of the Earth's surface is water. That's, scientifically speaking, a fucking lot. You tend to forget that when you haven't had a vacation or can spend 10 hours driving around the country for work. I wish that was the only thing that I didn't think about when creating the machine. I did think about this nearly all my life, dedicating 20 years since leaving university to the development and construction of it. I did think about the moral and ethical laws surrounding such a thing, hence why I made it in secret. I did think about testing it on non-organic matter first, and then moving up to fruits and insects and animals, as if going down a teleportation testing food chain. The teleportation machine was the prestigious moniker I lazily bestowed it as before I'd get around to naming it. The most important thing was that it worked. And it did. Fifty successful transportation tests from my lab to a spot I'd chosen outside of my house. There was no receiving pod, just a zap from one location to another. A one-shot trip first, and then, if that works, you make sure to build another one to get you back like any transport system worth its salt. Finally, I gave up standing on ceremony and caved into my scientific and human excitement and tension. I'd take a short trip from my basement to outside my house, although with far less steps. Something went awry, naturally, because this was against the biological laws established by the universe thus far. Seven billion, billion, billion atoms being shattered like glass and floating in a container between reality, all fighting and screaming to be reassembled. In layman's terms, a grown adult is a lot bigger than a cat. I didn't do something right, and the machine couldn't cope. It had to throw me somewhere, anywhere, and... Well, as I said, 71% of the Earth's surface is water. Those are high odds. So here I am, surrounded by a dark canvas of blue trying to drag me down, kicking pathetically in sluggish terror against waves, and my chest battered by the mocking percussion of the sea the bright sky taunting me as it highlights the complete absence of land. Nothing but liquid for me to claw at 
as I spit out mouthfuls of salt and terror. I think one last thought before the clenched fist of a wave knocks me below. At least I got to travel for once. For the second half of my short but sweet episode, we're going to switch over to some true short but sweet ghost tales. There have been some fun historical ghost stories I've been wanting to tell, but they were so short I never really knew where to put them. So here they are, starting with the portrait of Theodosia Burr. On December 31st, 1812, the beautiful and vivacious Theodosia Burr, wife of wealthy governor Joseph Alston of South Carolina, left her husband's plantation and sailed north on the Patriot to visit her beloved father, the famous Aaron Burr, in New York City. In early January, the vessel was accosted off Cape Hatteras by ships of Great Britain, then at war with the United States, but was permitted to proceed on its journey. The Patriot was never seen again, nor, with any certainty, was Theodosia. An angry storm that very night swept the coast of North Carolina. Some say that during the gale, pirates boarded the Patriot, removed all the valuables, forced passengers and crew to walk the plank, then sank the ship. But legend persists that Theodosia survived that she was cast ashore in a small boat onto the outer banks, bereft of all possessions except a portrait of herself, and that, with her sanity completely gone, she was thereafter cared for by a banker fisherman and his wife. The years went by. In 1869, the strange woman became ill, and a doctor from Elizabeth City was called in to attend to her. He did what he could, but it was clear that she had not long to live. As he was leaving the sick room, the poor fisherman's wife told the doctor that, as she had no money, he would have to choose something from the house for his pay. When he replied that he would like to have the handsome portrait hanging on the wall, the afflicted old woman sprang from her bed. It is mine. You shall not have it. I am on my way to visit my father in New York, and I am taking this picture of his darling Theodosia. With that, she grabbed the canvas, rushed through the door, ran down the surf, and walked into the ocean. The next day, the portrait washed up on the beach. It is fact, not legend, that the doctor took the picture from Nags Head to his home in Elizabeth City, that a descendant sold it to an art dealer, who in turn sold it to a member of the Burr family, and that it exists today chained man in ancient Athens. Roman Senator Pliny the Younger, who died in AD 113, told a ghost tale so haunting that it survives to this day. There was at Athens a large and roomy house, 
which had a bad name, so that no one could live there. In the dead of the night, a noise resembling the clashing of iron was frequently heard, which, if you listened more attentively, sounded like the rattling of chains. Disturbances that led to the appearance of a specter, form of an old man, of extremely emaciated and squalid appearance, with a long beard and disheveled hair, rattling the chains on his feet and hands. Needless to say, the house was abandoned and had to be rented out for a cheap price. When a philosopher named Athena Doris heard the story, he reportedly rented the house and confronted the ghost. The ghost appeared and rattled around before vanishing. Athena Doris calmly marked the spot where the ghost vanished and, in the morning, ordered that the spot be dug up, the story goes. This was accordingly done, and the skeleton of a man in chains was found there, for the body, having lain a considerable time in the ground, was putrefied and moldered away from the chains. After being given a proper burial, the ghost departed, and the house was haunted no more, according to Pliny's tale. Ghosts of the USS Constellation Sitting proudly at rest in Baltimore Harbor, the USS Constellation emits an aura of peace and security. Where once men died under the hail of grape shot, children now walk. During her 175-year history, much blood has flowed over her wooden beams. So what, or who, among the countless who have met their death on her deck, was the ghostly apparition that was photographed in the forecastle in 1955. Lieutenant Commander Alan Ross Brom, USN, the man who snapped the photo, believes it is a captain returning to inspect his ship. Hans Holzer, a professional ghost hunter and author, says it could be any one of three spirits haunting the old ship. To a Catholic priest who came face to face with the ghost, it is an old salt, unwilling to leave the beloved sea. Legends of ghosts and other strange occurrences have long been told about the United States Navy's first ship, but the first indication that they were more than the reminiscences of old sea dogs came at eight bells on a cold December night in 1955. Commander Brom had his camera set. Waiting patiently, he allegedly caught the ghost forever on film. At 11.59 p.m. to be exact, the Navy officer detected a faint scent in the air, a certain something not unlike gunpowder. Then, before him, he said, appeared a phosphorescently glowing, translucent, ectoplasmic manifestation of a late 18th century or early 19th century sailor, complete with his gold-striped trouser, cocked hat, and sword. He barely had time to snap the shutter before the eerie figure vanished, he said. A few years later, repairmen heard strange moans and cries coming from below the decks, but every time they went to investigate, they found nothing. In Hans Holzer's book, Portal to the Past, reference is made to the experience of a Catholic priest who visited the constellation in 1964. When the priest arrived, 
there was no member of the Maryland Naval Militia to take him aboard for a tour, so he went below by himself. While wandering beneath the deck, he said, he was startled by an old sailor who volunteered much information about history of the ship and the proper names for the equipment. After thanking his guide, the priest went above the deck where he met several of the regular tour guides. He congratulated them for having such a knowledgeable man as the one who led him around. The real guides were horrified. We have no one below, they protested. In haste, the guides and the priest rushed down the narrow stairway, but the old guide had vanished into the air. Sybil Leake, the famous English witch, once paid a visit to the stately ship. She claimed she picked up vibrations from three spirits, a captain, a sailor, and an apprentice seaman, who had all died violently. Which one of these denizens of the spirit world was the one photographed? If any, is unknown. Ghost of Tupo. Tupo was an ancient Chinese ghost with revenge on his mind. Before he died, Tupo served as a minister to Chinese Emperor Suan, who was emperor between 827 to 783 BC. The two had a disagreement, and Suan had Tupo killed in about 786 BC despite warnings that Tupo would come back and haunt him. Tupo did a lot more than haunt the emperor. Three years later, in 783 BC, Suan was killed with an arrow fired by an apparition resembling Tupo in front of an assembly of feudal lords, wrote Chinese philosopher Mo Zhu. And I am so sorry if I butchered all of those names. During the Victorian era, it wasn't strange to see ghosts reported in the newspaper. So here are a couple of newspaper articles about ghosts from the Victorian era. First one says, in January 1898, it was reported that a mysterious figure with the ghastly appearance of a headless woman was haunting an isolated crossroad outside of Buckingham. The phantom was first witnessed by a well-known local farmer and his companion who had the misfortune of encountering the wraith while driving his horse and trap. The night was well advanced and dark when suddenly the farmer saw standing a few yards in front of him a black object near a weather-beaten hand post at the corner of the crossroads. He called out as the figure was blocking his path but there was no answer and the figure remained motionless. As he got closer, he noticed the otherworldly appearance of the woman, and his horse began to tremble like a leaf. In shock, he called out again, What do you do here? Move on, please. Again, he was met with no response. The horse panicked and backed into a ditch, forcing the farmer's companion to jump down to seize the reins. Suddenly, the queer visitant disappeared. But as the pair got back in the trap to flee, the black somber figure appeared again, in the same motionless position as before. Their situation was now getting positively serious. The farmer, whose presence of mind had stood him in good stead, now finding his nerve on the point of giving way, asked the apparition in the name of God to speak. Then it was that the spectra, 
slowly drifted away and appeared to float through the thick set bordered hedge. Numerous others later claimed to witness the ghost and the reporter commented that it was not a little surprising that the spot referred to has been less frequented of late. This next one was from December 1878. It was reported that an old man named Churchill was murdered in a cottage near Chard. For some time after the execution, the building remained uninhabited, but at length it was let to a laborer and his family. But the incomer soon found that they could obtain no rest. They state that the murderous Kitty had been frequently seen to glide about the premises in ghostly attire. That old Churchill had been seen distinctly observed to look in at the window with hideous countenance. This added to the appearance of blood on the floor of the room in which the tragedy was enacted. Supernatural movements among the furniture and other articles and unearthly noises in the immediate vicinity of the cottage so unsettled the occupants that they at last abandoned the dwelling, which is now regarded as haunted. And for our last story of the night, this one comes to us from September 1881. It was reported that a Garsting postman has resigned after a chilling encounter with a nocturnal visitant. The paper reported that the facts of the case seemed sufficiently authenticated. He was quietly perusing his way along a lonely road near the village of Garsting. Absorbed in his occupation of letter carrier, a ghost stopped his way and warned him, with many mysterious signs, not to continue in his present courses. The terrified postman immediately acted upon the ghostly injunction to the extent that he at once turned tail and fled. He carried away with him a very clear notion of its principal characteristics. This would seem to be abnormal stature, horrid pallor of hue, and a variety of terror-striking gestures. His description of the Garstang ghost is borne out by the testimony of another impeachable witness. A young woman of the district has also had a dreadful look at the specter. She apparently also to be out in the haunted lane when evening had in her sober livery all things clad, as she walked along, perhaps in maiden meditation, not altogether fancy-free, her affrighted eyes beheld the ghost. There it was, of fearsome height, clothed in white, and performing portentous movements with its arms. So she afterwards declared. This witness testimony is invalidated to a trifling extent by her confession that directly she saw the awful sight, she threw her apron over her head and ran home. Having got there safely, she instantly went to bed, where she has since remained in proof of the truth of her story. The reporter went on to describe how the large group of young men were patrolling the streets in an attempt to apprehend the ghost. He even went as far as to blame the popularity of spiritualism for the spate of recent urban hauntings. He wrote, It is easy to understand that a poor ghost condemned to rapping on tables for the profit of a very sort of social adventurer must lose all heart for either the lighter or more serious business of its existence. The modern spirit is, in truth, in bonds. Its original occupation is gone, to be replaced by such undignified exercises as beating tambourines or tweaking noses at a dark seance. 
Thanks for listening. Remember, you can submit your stories to me and I might read them on the show. Just email them to scareyoutosleep at gmail.com. Visit the Scare You to Sleep merch store at teespring.com. I will link it in the show notes. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Scare You to Sleep. You can follow me on Instagram at Shelby B. Scott. Join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash sleep, or just search Scare You to Sleep and answer a couple of questions to join. If you haven't yet, go listen to the episode of the show Assassinations on my feed. It's a great new show from Parcast Network, and I have an ad-free version for you sitting there ready for you and your ears. Also, don't forget to visit MyFitJeans.com and use my offer code SLEEP for 15% off your first pair and half off your second if you buy two. I think that's all for tonight. Now, go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.